The U.S. legal system comes from the first European colonists. So Latin terms are employed in common law. Some common, (laughs) see what I did there. Some common phrases include ipso facto, ad hoc, ad litem, de jure, prima facie, de facto, ex parte, and stare decisis. Stare decisis means, in Latin, to stand by things decided. When a court faces a legal argument, if a previous court has ruled on the same or a closely related issue, then the court will make their decision in alignment with the previous court's decision. That is, unless Jesus sent you to do the work, then you can dispense with all of that legal mumbo-jumbo, all of that uh, Latin gobbledygook, and do whatever the hell you want. I've got some explaining to do. Let's get into it. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to another episode of Ayana Explains It All, the podcast where I tell you where to go and how to get there. (laughs) This podcast is available on, I know I said last week it was nine platforms, but no, 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 child. I was incorrect. It's actually available on 12, 12 platforms. Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Pocket Cast, Amazon Music, YouTube, Good Pods, Radio Public, and lastly, but not leastly, Stitcher. So like, rate, review, subscribe on your favorite platform. I always have the hardest time saying the word subscribe. Like, my gosh, my tongue gets very tired. So, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. So, you can be notified of when a new episode comes out. And you can get your listen on, your stream on. And listen at your leisure for your pleasure. Or displeasure once you hear what I have to say. And make sure you tell a friend, a loved one, or a family member about this podcast that you heard. Turn them on to the podcast. Let's get started. So, what I told you guys was going to happen, happened. That's usually how things work with me. I say something is going to happen and it happens. No, I'm kidding. We knew it was going to happen. We knew it was coming because some loving soul at the Supreme Court leaked the early draft of a decision in Dobbs versus Jackson with Justice Samuel Alito as the main writer. And of course, Justice Sonia Sotomayor for the dissent. They finally kicked Roe v. Wade to the curb. They've been working on it for decades, even though, even though, 
in their confirmation hearings, Alito, Gorsuch, Amy Coney Berry, that other guy, that uh, Kent Clark-looking guy, Brent Kavanaugh, Brett Kavanaugh. I can never remember his name. And you know why? Because he is unremarkable, in my opinion. I know he had that controversy during his confirmation hearings. There were credible, credible allegations of sexual assault committed against him. But I can't remember his name because he's just so unremarkable. He's not a memorable person. Him and Neil Gorsuch, like, who are these people? They're the ghosts of the court, really. So they decided, in the majority opinion, that Roe v. Wade was un was an unconstitutionally decided decision, and they kicked the issue back to the states. Now, states have to decide if they will allow abortion to take place in their borders. And you guessed it, a lot of them have said, hell no. Hell no, you're not going to kill our precious babies. You're not going to kill our little babies with your abortions, you heathens. You God-forsaken heathens, you're all going to burn in hell for killing the babies. Some of them actually said that, said it just like that, actually. <laughs> I saw the videos on Twitter, so I know it's true. There are people celebrating, celebrating, forcing a woman to carry a fetus, and with no exception for rape and incest. No exception. So if a woman is raped, and she gets pregnant from that rape, she has to carry the fetus if she is in a state where abortion is disallowed, illegal. There are still some states who have said, this is our law. This is what is best. We are going to let women make their own reproductive choices. And those states, I say thank you very much. Thank you. Because even though the Supreme Court has said that this is a state's rights issue, it is actually a human rights issue. Reproductive choices are human rights. You cannot say that some choices you make about regarding medical decisions with your body are your choice and then some others aren't. No, they all are. They all are. If I have to carry something in my uterus, whether it be a fibroid, a cyst, or a fetus, it is my decision if I want to carry it, keep it, have it, deliver it, have it removed, have it extracted. It is my decision. You cannot tell me that I can go ahead and have a fibroid removed and not a fetus. You can't tell me that I have to carry my rapist's baby, my rapist fucking fetus. You cannot tell me that as a woman who has been sexually assaulted, I was molested as a child, that if I got pregnant from that, that I would have to carry their baby. And it doesn't matter what age the, the woman or the girl is either. There are girls who get pregnant at 11, 12, 13. They're raped. They're sexually assaulted by family members. And now those girls will be forced to carry that baby to term. And what do you think is going to happen to the baby after that? Because a 10-year-old can't raise a child. 
You know, I've been watching old episodes of Unsolved Mysteries, the old, 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 old show hosted by Robert Stack with that amazing, deep, haunting voice. And many of the stories, like at least once an episode, is a story of children who were, I won't, I won't say not wanted, some of them were wanted, but children who were placed for adoption and they're looking for their birth parents because the adoption happened in a way that was um, kind of scandalous. Babies were stolen from their parents or they were abandoned. Parents who were poor and couldn't raise their children. They didn't think they could raise their children. They didn't, they didn't think they could provide a good life for them. Left their children, left their babies on, on doorsteps, left their babies in the woods. These people found a baby uh, in a cornfield. And then the babies, you know, they grow up and they're older and they want to know where they came from. They want to know their history and they're using DNA analysis and they're, they used uh, unsolved mysteries to tell their stories. And then people recognize the story and, and before you know it, they're reunited with their family members. But the stories are so sad. The stories are sad. A lot of them are the babies were just the families had too many kids and they couldn't take care of them. Or it was the Great Depression and they couldn't take care of them. Or it was before World War One, and, and, you know, it was, it was people were poor. Farmers, they were poor. They were impoverished. They couldn't take care of their babies. And so they just left them. That's what's going to happen. That's what this decision is going to lead to. That's what Dobbs versus Jackson has created now. It's going to create an influx to the United States of unwanted babies, not a reserve of babies to be adopted lovingly. No, it's going to be a reserve of babies languishing in the foster care system. Because the one thing I've noticed also on these old episodes of Unsolved Mysteries is that they were, there were large uh, uh, orphanages in every state that just housed hundreds of children. And some of these children were treated badly. Some of them were not adopted. Some of them ended up being in multiple foster homes. That's what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. Birth control and abortion made it easier for women to decide if they wanted to have a baby when we wanted to have a baby. It also made it easier for this country because there was not an influx of babies languishing, just languishing in state care. What do you think happens to these babies who are in state care? Sure, they might go into a foster home. How do you think they're treated? And if recent stories are any indication, sometimes the state doesn't give a fuck how these babies are treated. Children go into foster homes, they're molested, they're physically abused, they're neglected, they're mistreated. Foster and adoption are not the angel care that you think they are. So just saying, oh, they'll be adopted, that's bullshit. 
Are you, are you, are you going to adopt a child? All these women who are on TV, who are in the news, who are, you know, writing their impassioned pleas against abortion, are you going to adopt? Are you going to foster? Because I see that as your next step. Now that you've told women that they have to carry a fetus, even when they don't want to, I want all of you who are against reproductive rights, who are against abortion, to go to your local children and family services agency and put down your name to become a foster parent. Because, you know, that's what Jesus would have done. Jesus takes care of people. And I say takes because, according to the Islamic tradition, he is still living. He's not dead. But I tell you what, he's probably looking at this shit going, what the hell? And they're doing this in my name? They're forcing women to carry babies in my name? (laughs) I mean, I don't want to presume what Jesus would say or do. That's actually kind of foolish. But that's what people are doing. That's what this is about. This is about power and control over women and women's bodies through religion. Through religion. If you can imagine in a country where democracy is the government, religion has become the way that politicians rule, has become the way they make legislation has become the reason they pass certain legislation, has become the reason they've decided that women should not be in charge of our reproductive organs, that we should not have bodily autonomy, is because somewhere in the Bible, someone said life begins at conception and you don't have a right to terminate a pregnancy. Now, if this is your first time listening to this podcast, I will repeat what I've repeated several times in other episodes. I am Muslim. I've been Muslim my entire life. Islam does not teach that life begins at conception. It does not begin at conception for us. For Christians, it's different. But you see, we don't go around putting our values on people, telling people that this is the way of life they have to follow. No, we respect that people have their own way of life. And we respect their right to live as they want, to believe as they want, to worship as they want. In the United States, now I can't speak to what goes on in other places, but in the United States, we don't do that shit. We don't impose our beliefs and values on people. And yes, we do believe that the Bible is one of the books of God. But not the Bible as it is today. Not the one that men have tampered with. But yet and still, we're not imposing what we believe, our way of life, on anyone. So how is it that you think you can impose your values, and your beliefs on us, on me, on anyone. You believe as you believe, and that is fine. But I don't. And I don't have to practice what you practice because I don't believe what you believe. But guess what? Even if you don't believe anything, even if you have no belief system, 
Even if you're just a fucking lump on a log, I'm not going to put my values on you. I'm not going to tell you that what I do is what you should be doing and that you're meaningless, valueless, worthless if you don't follow what I follow. No. I'm going to let you do what you want to do. Because it is not up to me to decide for you what your way of life should be. I'm not going to tell you what to do with your fingers, with your toes, with your legs, with your gonads, with your urethra, with your ovaries, with your breast, with your neck, with your head, with your mouth. Because that is not for me. That is your body. We have bodily autonomy. We have bodily autonomy. And any Anything that challenges that, anything that tries to impose itself on that, any type of oppression that seeks to control that must be gotten rid of because bodily autonomy is a human right. It's not states' rights. It's not federal government rights. These are human rights. The right to determine if you want to, number one, have a baby. Some women don't want to carry a fucking baby, and I don't blame them. If you're a black woman in the United States of America, I did an episode on this a couple weeks ago about the black maternal health crisis. If you're a black woman in the United States and you're pregnant, you should be very scared. You should be scared because the black maternal death rate is extremely high. It's so high that black women dying during birth, after birth, while pregnant, it's an epidemic. So much so that the federal government has taken notice of it and has put forth an initiative to help deal with this crisis, even though it's been years. This has been going on for years. Black women are dying while giving birth at a rate higher than any other group of women in this country. And what the Supreme Court has done is to tell women that you have to carry this fetus depending on what state you live in. We're going to let the states decide if you get to um, have, if you get to have bodily autonomy. We're going to let the states decide if you have to keep a fetus or not. We're going to let the states decide. You're going to put a state, each individual state, there are 50 fucking states in this nation, and you're going to put each and every one of them in charge of whether I have to carry a fetus? No. 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 The answer is no. The response is no. We are not going to allow this to happen. And if you think women who are, I don't care what you call it, pro-choice, for reproductive rights, for reproductive justice, if you think we're going to sit down and take this, you are sadly mistaken. You're stupid and mistaken. I don't care about the legal jargon, the legal, the constitutional argument here. Stare decisis, as I put in the introduction, says that you follow precedent. In their Supreme Court confirmation hearings, these justices said that Roe v. Wade is the law of the land. It is the law of the land. 
It is precedent. It is precedent. That means in the following decisions, the following cases that come up that deal with this issue, you go with Roe v. Wade. What did they decide in Roe v. Wade? That a woman has a right to privacy that is included in the Constitution, that it is constitutionally protected right to privacy. Every decision that comes after that follows this decision. But suddenly you decide, oh, we're tired. We don't want to do this anymore. We're going to just, we're, we're, we're going to change the words here. We're going to uh, rearrange some things here so that we don't have to follow stare decisis for Roe v. Wade. Yeah, that's what they did. Alito decided that stare decisis did not protect Roe v. Wade. <laughs> In his confirmation hearings, Justice Alito said that it is a precedent that has now been on the books for several decades. It has been challenged. It has been reaffirmed. All true, very true. When the senators asked him if he would move to overturn the decision, he said, no, it's, it's an important precedent. He talked about stare decisis at his confirmation hearings. But then in his decision, Dobbs v. v. Jackson, he stated that Roe v. Wade was on a collision course with the Constitution from the day it was decided, comparing it to the Supreme Court decision that upheld racial segregation laws. He said, stare decisis is, is not an inexorable command, he wrote. He said, when properly applied, stare decisis means that Roe should be overturned and not upheld. While he respects precedence, the court erred in deciding Roe v. Wade from the outset so that it, it, it's not precedent is essentially what he said. He called Roe v. Wade, the decision, an egregious one. Remember what I said about Roe v. Wade. It wasn't about reproductive rights so much as it was about the right to privacy that women had a right to privacy to, to determine to terminate a pregnancy. That your decision to do with your body what you want is private, up to you, not up to the state. The state could not get in the way of women deciding what to do with our sexual organs. And in striking down Roe v. Wade, the court has said, no, 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 no. The state can absolutely tell you what to do with your sexual organs. I mean, come on. It's literally one of only two things the state can tell you what to do about medical decisions. The state can keep you from terminating a pregnancy, and it can also keep you from terminating your life. Chemical suicide. Remember the assisted suicide stories from the, uh, from the 90s with Dr. Kevorkian? He was assisting people in, in ending their lives because they were terminally ill or hell, they were just fucking done. You can, however, decide that you don't want to take life-saving medication with the advice of your doctor. You can 
end chemotherapy. You can forego surgery. You can die a natural death. But if you want to end your death early, like I don't want to wait till the bell rings. I want to get out of class now. If you want to get up and walk out, no, you can't do that. You got to wait till that bell ring. Then you can leave. Why is the government involved in any of these decisions? Why is the government involved in when and if a woman has a baby? Because there aren't enough babies in the United States. There are people who want to adopt babies. There aren't enough babies. People don't want uh, toddler, uh, they don't want, um, you know, school-age kids, teenagers. No, they want babies. They want fresh out the womb. They want that, you know, amniotic shit all over them. They want, they want those babies, the slimy ones. <laughs> they want the slimy babies. They don't want teenagers. There was a show on A&E about adults adopting other adults. <laughs> I thought, wow. That is something else. That happens. That happens. It's wild. The things that people do. Can you imagine? Can you imagine people doing things? Gee whiz. Where do they get the nerve? All right, we have free will. We have autonomy. We have self-determination. What makes you think you can decide anything for me? People want small government government out of their decisions until it doesn't serve their interests. And then they want big government, government in their decisions, government in their business, government in their bedrooms, government with a probe up their ass, looking at what they're doing up there. It's fine if you think life begins at conception. But if life begins at conception, why doesn't child support? But no, that doesn't make sense. No. Again, it's only how and when it serves your interests to find that life begins at conception. It either legally begins then or it doesn't. And then all rights that begin at life begin also. All rights and entitlements begin also. You can't claim a fetus on your tax return. You can't give a fetus a social security number. You can't put a fetus as a dependent on your tax return. But shouldn't I be able to? If life begins at conception, huh, well, then I'm about to get pregnant 50, 11 times, and I'm about to put all them babies on my tax return, honey, all of them. But again, it's just people making decisions and determinations based on what is convenient for them because of something they read in a book somewhere, because of something somebody told them, because they're ignorant, narrow-minded, they're too selfish to see that this is none of their business. There are millions and millions of fucking people in the United States of America. So what? There are a few less white babies. Oh, that's what it is. There are too many fewer white babies. There you go. There you go. You know, back in the... um. I want to say it was the 40s and 50s. Middle class, wealthy families, white ones, of course. The men who were the heads of these households 
as young men, they were promised a certain social status, a certain class status, certain income, certain trimmings that go with that. You graduate high school, you go get a job, or you go to college and you get a career, you get a wife, you get a house, and you get to sit atop a certain class in the United States. That's theirs. That was promised to them. That white picket fence, the dog, the two kids, you know, the whole uh, leave it to beaver scenario. Or remember from Revolutionary Road, April and Frank, what they had, their nice little house in their nice little neighborhood in their little state of Connecticut. That's what they were promised. They're promised that. But, but, they were threatened by immigrants. Not just any immigrant, by the way. No, Asian immigrants, African immigrants, Black people more specifically. Black people who were descendants of slaves, who went to college, who became the same doctor that their white counterpart became, who became the teacher or the nurse, who became the lawyer, the Supreme Court justice suddenly, and then there was affirmative action in hiring and in education, and suddenly there were these other people who didn't look like these white people competing with them for jobs. But wait a minute, no, I was promised this job. This job is supposed to be mine. I, When I was younger, they would say, when I was younger, somebody told me that this would be mine, that I would be able to get a house and a car and a wife and kids and live a nice, cushy, long, happy life in the suburbs. But if you're bringing these Negroes in here, if you're bringing these, uh, these Asian people, these Chinese people, and these Indians, and you're bringing them in here, they're stealing our jobs. Mexicans, the Latinos are coming in here, taking our jobs. And taking our women. <laughs> no. This, this cannot be. This cannot be. And they're having lots and lots of babies, too. They're having lots of babies. Got to do something about that. We got to find a way to um, make their birth rate go down. Make ours go up. We got to find something to do with all these black babies, all these Latino babies, these Chinese babies. We got to find something to do with these people because we don't want our kids having to compete with them for anything. We don't want our kids going to school with them. We don't want to be living with them. No, this was promised to us. Look at what is happening. Government, please step in. <laughs> See? Then the government has to step in and help. And just for the record, women were having abortions before Roe v. Wade. They weren't safe abortions. Remember in Evolutionary Road, uh, April stuck a vacuum cleaner hose up her baby chute and tried to give herself a vacuum abortion. So women were having abortions. They were drinking bottles of lye. They were using coat hangers. They were drinking all kinds of teas and concoctions and Whatever they could do, whatever they could find, women were throwing themselves down the stairs. Women were doing all kinds of desperate things because they did not want to be pregnant. And either abortion wasn't available or it was hard to get one. 
So women were, there were, there were abortions. They just were not safe. They weren't safe. And it certainly wasn't safe for anyone who was performing them either. The doctors, the midwives, the women in the, in the community who were helping women uh, in their, terminate their pregnancies, it wasn't safe for them. They would go to prison or they would be killed. That's what we're going back to. We're not going back to no abortions. We're going back to unsafe abortions. We're going back to the overwhelming increase of unwanted babies. Now, you can force a woman to carry a fetus, but you're, you're not going to be able to force a woman to keep a child she doesn't want. And I tell you how it's going to come out, how she's going to end that. Child abuse. Abandonment. Now, there are places where you could take a baby to a um, fire station and there's a special box that you can leave the baby in, et cetera, et cetera. But those aren't available everywhere. Those are not everywhere. There are women who are delivering babies alone and afraid, delivering babies addicted to drugs. And so, you know, there are cases where women deliver babies in toilets. There are cases where women deliver babies and they don't know they didn't know that they were pregnant. They don't know how to deliver a baby. And so they don't receive proper maternal health care. They don't receive proper prenatal health care. And so they're suffering while giving birth, and the child is suffering in the womb. The baby, the fetus, is suffering in the womb. I try to use the word fetus because... For obvious reasons. It's a fetus. People will say baby, but it's really not a baby until it comes out of you. You don't know what the hell that thing's going to be. I'm not trying to be funny. But you really don't know. You don't know. You can see all the sonograms and the 3D sonogram. You can see all that shit. You still don't know. That you're going to be delivering like an alien baby, like in... What was that show I watched when I was a kid? Uh, v. Remember that show V? When the girl, she got pregnant by the alien and she delivered two different babies. One was like a normal human baby and the other one was an alien baby and it came out and it was all green and she was screaming on the operating table. That baby was like, well, Lord have mercy. I don't know that. I, I watched that as a little, little kid, and that had me in stitches. That baby came out like. <laughs> Sorry. Oh my gosh. But yeah, but that's what a lot of this is about is that there aren't enough nice, tidy white human babies. The birth rate of white people has gone down so much. And why? It isn't just because they don't want to have babies. The United States does not make it easy to raise a child in this country. Daycare is hella expensive. It is very expensive. And then you want your kids to go to a good school system. You don't want your kids attending schools that are dilapidated, run down, 
where the teachers are disengaged, where the students are violent and, and, and uninterested. You want your kids to go to a school in a nice, a nice area. That costs money. Or you want to send your kids to a private school. That costs money. Kids have to participate in sports and other activities. That costs money. Everything having to do with raising a child in this country costs so much money. And if the jobs that these people were promised are not there, they're not going to have babies. They're not going to raise kids if they're poor. Now, sure, there are people who will, they're perfectly fine being impoverished and having a baby. If that's what you want to do, fine. And there are people who will sit in poverty for generations. They're raised in poverty. Their kids will be raised in poverty. Fine. But then there are also a lot of people who are looking at this like, no, I don't want to be poor with a child. I want to provide a good life for a child. So I'm not going to have a baby until I can afford to have a baby. And maybe that time never comes around for them. Or maybe you're doing well and suddenly you're not. And you're like, no, we're going to have to put having a baby on hold. And before you know it, it's too late. Yeah, it could be too late for women. Mm, maybe not men, but for women, it could be too late. The United States does not make it attractive to procreate, to produce, to give it a child. I am still of childbearing age, although I am late and, you know, later, <laughs> later on that end, I could still have a baby. I could still carry a fetus now, but there's no way in hell I would ever have another baby. I, I would never give another child to this country. I wouldn't do it. I'm not going to do it. There's class warfare. There's racial warfare. And now women don't have bodily aut autonomy. The right to privacy has been eroded by the SCOTUS. Pretty soon, they're going to be telling you that, you know, who you want to marry depends on what state you live in, because the state said you can't marry who you want to marry. If you want to use contraception, that's going to be something that they're going to decide. Again, well, the state can say what contraception you can use. Are you fucking kidding me? But this is what, this is what the SCOTUS has done. And this is why, for me, even though it has been several years since I've bothered to celebrate, the 4th of July is canceled for me. It been canceled, okay? I stopped celebrating the 4th of July a few years ago. I really was fed up after 9-11 because of the way Muslims were treated by this country, by the government, by the people. But then I, I, you know, I warmed up. I warmed up to America again when President Obama was elected. I, w I had that fever, honey. I thought, yeah, hope. Hope is back. Big on hope. Up with hope. Down with hope. And I was happy to be American. I thought, oh, we have a black president and things are going to be better. Oh, look, the ACA. The Affordable Health Care Act. Oh, America's on the upswing. Progress, progress, progress. I was in love with this place. That, oh, this is great. Everyone's getting along. 
Everything's wonderful. But it wasn't. There was something really sick brewing beneath all of that love and happiness and joy and hope. There was something really ugly brewing. People were resentful, again, that a black person had a job that was promised to them. Obama had a job as president. He wasn't supposed to because he was black. And there are people who are like, oh, but you know, I voted for him anyway because I, I didn't like the alternative. I voted for Obama. I voted for the black guy. And look what he did. Well, I, I have no idea what he did that was wrong. What did he do that was wrong? He improved this country so much, people loved him all over. He won the Nobel Peace Prize. He won the Nobel Peace Prize. You don't win that for doing nothing. You don't even get nominated for that for doing nothing. People loved and respected this country. People wanted to be here. They wanted to come here. They wanted to live here. But suddenly it was decided because this black man was president and he wasn't doing what people wanted him to do. He wasn't progressive. He's a middle-of-the-road middle liberal. If you're a progressive, if you're ultra-liberal, obviously, you don't like that. If you're Republican, you sure as hell don't like it. But the middle-of-the-road, the mildly conservative liberals, those are the people who are usually getting these jobs, these political jobs, because people don't like progressivism. They don't like the extreme. They love the extreme Republicans, though. I don't know how them fuckers keep getting elected, them idiots you see on TV who can't even spell who can't spell America. <laughs> but Obama was, you know, he wasn't liberal enough. He wasn't liberal enough. He wasn't black enough. He didn't do anything for black people. I have to ask black people, what is it that you want? I'm telling you where we are deficient. And Obama gave you, gave you resources to help get on your feet. Sure, it was tight for a while. We were dealing with a war. We were coming out of a recession. Had to put things back together. But you have no idea what the ACA did for black people, for the black community. I saw it firsthand. People went from not being able to afford treatment, life-saving treatment, to being able to afford it. I know that people look at health care, they look at health care services, and they don't see that as a big deal. But when you are unhealthy, you cannot function in your job, you can't function in your relationships, your friendships, you can't function for yourself. When you are unwell, what are you doing? Your health should be first and foremost. So anyone who tries to help you with that does you a big fucking favor. And I know. It's not perfect, the Affordable Care Act. It's not perfect. It has some bugs. Some things could be worked out. Some things could have been expanded. But it gave people, a lot of people, health care options that they did not have in years prior. And it continues to do so. 
Why people shrug off their health is beyond me. Why people shrug off healthcare services like it's not a big deal is beyond me. Because when you need it, you see just how much of a big deal it is. When you haven't been receiving primary care for years and suddenly you're all puffed up and you go to the, to the hospital and they tell you that you have dangerously high blood pressure and you're in danger of having a stroke, you realize how important it is to get your health under control. And anyone who helps you with that is on your side. And that is what the Obama administration did. That is what Joe Biden did. That is what the Congress did. That is what the Senate did under Obama. That's what they did. So people saying that he did nothing for black people are full of shit. But it just goes back to how black people really are not paying attention to their health in the first place. So if you don't see how this has helped black people, well, yeah, obviously. You don't see what you don't use. But people were so upset with Obama by the end of the Obama administration. They were so mad. This black. Oh, oh, and you think we're going to elect a white woman after that? You think we're going to elect a woman after that? Hell no. We don't like Hillary Clinton. We don't like her. What did she do with her emails? When she was at the state, whatever. Benghazi, Benghazi. They were so over it that all these white women went out voted for donald trump yeah they're the reason why he became president white women voted overwhelmingly for trump pushing him over the line that he needed to get past to become president there are people who love this man they love the way he talks they're so engaged with the way he talks. They're so, they swoon and they love it. They love someone who talks to them like they ain't shit. That's what I notice about people. Some people just love being talked to in that manner. They love being disrespected. They love being talked down to. They love to be patted on the back a lot. They love to be placated. They love to be condescended to. They love it. Because that's what he does. He's an idiot. He knows nothing. But because he's a white man with power and money, those types always get votes. Those types always get crowds. But we're always giving wealthy people applause. We're always giving them praise. We're always looking to them for the answers. We're always looking to them for what we should do next. Instead of figuring it out for ourselves, instead of figuring it out on our own, I read a story the other day. I think it was, um, it was for charity, of course, but someone paid $16 million to have lunch no, to have dinner with them and a group of friends with Warren Buffett. He was not going to give any uh, stock tips, but he would talk to you about whatever you wanted to talk about. They paid to have dinner with this man. And you know why? Because he's a wealthy white man. He's made a boatload of, of, of money, billions and billions of dollars. 
And people just love to be in the presence of someone wealthy. They love to say that they got to sit with and break bread with someone wealthy. We're so dazzled by wealth. We're so intoxicated by wealth. It's disgusting. Wealthy people could tell us anything. Wealthy people could use us in any manner. And they have. We don't care because we think it's for a greater good. We see these people as, you know, the great dad that we never had or the dad we wish we could be or the mom or whoever the fuck. We look at these people and we admire them when we don't even know a thing about these people. We don't know these people. And if you knew them, if you knew truly what these people have done, what they're capable of doing, what they're hiding, you'd be disgusted. You turn away from them. Or maybe you wouldn't because maybe you're just like them. And you think that aligning yourselves with them means that they're going to break you off some of their change. And they don't. They do not. Four years Donald Trump was president, he didn't do a fucking thing for this country. Except embarrass us. We became an embarrassment. He was impeached twice. He tried to overthrow a fair and free election for president. He tried to undermine certification of the election for the president of the United States of America. That is a huge deal. That's sedition. That's traitorous. He called on people to interfere in certification of election results in Georgia. Arizona, Pennsylvania, he tried to take your vote and make it go away because he was unhappy that he lost. And this is something that rich people do all the time. They fucking cheat to win. They cheat to win. They think that they can buy their way through a race using power and influence using wealth. This is what they do. This is why many of them are not to be trusted. They cheat to win. Donald Trump cheated to win in 2016. And look at everything that unfolded after that. There has not been one good thing that has happened since then. He even ended his run poorly. He even ended his run poorly. Now, this is something that I don't understand about Christians. God will literally show you, show you who is against you, and you will run right to his arms. You will run towards your enemy. You will run right towards your enemy. You run to the fire. You all run to the fire. You run to the fire. You don't live the words that you preach. You don't live the words you are taught. But then you want to take your values and put them on other people. You don't even fucking follow the values that you say we should follow. You want to put your laws on my body and you don't even follow them. There are impoverished, hungry children waiting, waiting 
waiting to be fed, waiting to be cared for. And what do Republicans do? These so-called good Christian Republicans, they vote against the expansion of the food stamp program. They vote against the expansion of Medicaid. They want to take Social Security away. They want to take Medicare away. They want to take free health care away. They want to overturn the ACA. They want to get rid of early childhood education. They don't want to invest in public schools. They don't want to invest in inner cities. They want poor people who have no boots to pull themselves up by their bootstraps. But you want me to follow your values? Fuck you and your values. Your values don't mean shit if you don't follow them. Why would I follow you into the fire? I wouldn't. There is no freedom in America if women and children and men even do not have bodily autonomy. There is no freedom here. So while you all on the 4th of July are waving your flags and and pissing in your uh, American flag Speedos, your American flag bikinis, you think about if you're really free. You are not free. You are controlled. You are controlled. And you are controlled because you allow yourselves to be lied to. You allow yourselves to be led astray. You allow yourselves to be treated as if you are things and not human beings with free will, bodily autonomy, freedom to move about, freedom to determine for yourself what you're going to do with your life, freedom to marry, freedom to decide when you want to procreate. You don't have any of those freedoms. Once the SCOTUS undid Roe v. Wade, as Clarence Thomas said in his, his memo, oh, the court should look at all of these other ones too. Not to mention that he um, forgot about Loving versus Virginia. The court shouldn't look at that one. You know, and you know why? Because he's married to a white woman. He's in an interracial marriage. So the courts should leave that one alone. But all these other ones where the courts uh, decided that um, there was a right to privacy protected by the Equal Protection Clause of the, the U.S. Constitution, those are bad. Get rid of those. Let the states decide who you can marry. Let the states decide if you can have an IUD implanted in you to regulate your periods. Let the states decide. Let the states make medical decisions for you. Does this sound like how you want to live while you're out there eating your fucking hot dogs and apple pie and lighting up your sparklers and partying to your kid rock music? Does that sound like how you want to live? You want the states deciding who you can fuck when you go home? No, you don't. I'm telling you that you don't. I'm telling you, there's a reason why these decisions were decided the way that they were. There's a reason why. Because minds had changed about sex and reproducing 
about marriage. And no, we're not going to go back to what the forefathers wanted. We don't give a fuck what the forefathers wanted. They used dentures made of teeth from slaves. They owned slaves. They raped slave women. They impregnated slave women. They sold people. They beat people. They owned people. I don't give a fuck what they thought. When the U.S. Constitution was passed, black people weren't even people. Black people weren't even people. And the colonists were genocidal maniacs who, despite fleeing England for a better life in the United States, did not create a better life in the United States. I'm telling you, you don't want to live with the government in your decisions. You don't want to live with the government in your personal, private decisions. We do not want to go back to that. This 4th of July, when you're out with your families and you're barbecuing your ribs and you're having your political discussions and you're puffing up your chest, remember that if your daughter is raped, and she gets pregnant, she has to carry that fetus. And I hope you feel like shit when you think about it. I hope you feel the weight of this decision in Dobbs versus Jackson as an elephant on your chest, and I hope it crushes you. You all have no idea the storm that is coming. You don't know the storm that is coming because you're so oblivious. You're so busy cheering on the fact that, yay, more babies. What did Sarah Huckabee Sanders say? She's a candidate for uh, governor in Arkansas. We want the babies to be as safe in the womb as they are in the classroom in the workplace. (laughs) She's serious. American children are not safe in the classroom. Last month, 19 kids and two of their teachers were murdered in their classroom, in their school. There's a mass shooting nearly every day in this country. People are murdered at their workplace, by their coworkers, by random idiots who come in with guns who are disgruntled or unhappy or whatever the fuck. People are not safe in the workplace. People are not safe at school. Is she kidding me? Is she kidding? You're going to make sure the babies are safe in the womb? Okay, tell me, how are you going to do that? Oh, you just decided today that you were going to do that even though the black maternal death rate has been climbing for years. You're just now going to, you just decide, oh, we're going to do it now. Now that we got our Roe v. Wade uh, uh, taken, taken down, we're going to do something about the way mothers and, and fetuses are treated in the healthcare system. Just now? So all of your inaction for all of these years didn't mean anything because now you finally got what you want. Now you know how to proceed. Are you fucking kidding me, you fucking hypocrites? 
I pray nothing but hell for you people. Nothing but hell. You've watched as women have died giving birth, as women have died while pregnant, as their babies have been born premature, dying in the hospital, as women have faced racism and health care. You've watched and done nothing because it didn't serve your interests to protect minority women. It didn't serve your interests. And it's not going to serve your interests now. You're not suddenly going to care about black women and black babies because you force us to carry a fetus. You're not suddenly going to care about us. There is nothing to make you care. You're only concerned with people who look like you. You're only concerned with babies who look like your babies. You're only concerned with putting more of you out into the world because the statistics have shown you that your people are on the decline. And the only reason for that must be abortion. There can't be any other possible reason why there's a steep decline in the white race in the United States. I, I rack my brain and I can't think of one. That's sarcasm, but. So for me, at least, the 4th of July is canceled, and I will not be re-upping anytime soon. I will not celebrate a country that cheers for the demise of Black people, that does not protect Black people. I will not celebrate anything until we are all free. Until we are all free, none of us is free. And this has been Ayana Explains It All, brought to you by Heavy Size. Facts and figures, enlightenment, and a few F-bombs. <laughs> Take care.